Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Polly, how are you feeling today? I am feeling great, JC. What a beautiful day it is in Texas. I know that uh, where our guest is today, it's even nicer. So we're looking forward to hearing some of his feedback. So JC, let's kick it off. And I want to know a little bit about what's going on with rent control and growth and all the things that affect uh, the market throughout the United States. Well, I am excited about today's topic. It is a very important topic and a very sensitive topic to all you uh, coastal California uh, landlords out there. The title of our episode today is going to be the 2020 investment strategy, rent control and other market trends to watch out for in 2020. Now, we've got a really amazing guest and I'm super excited to bring him on. You know, this guy, I've actually known this person for quite a long time and um, he is part of a company called Appfolio. And the really amazing thing about Appfolio is that they provide property management software uh, two companies like ourselves, uh, who we have our own management company as part of our uh, syndication company. And so with uh, Appfolio and with Nat, what you're going to get is you're going to get a feel for not only the, um, the national trends that are happening across the market in terms of investments, but you're also going to get a good feel for somebody who has walked a mile in the property management company's shoes and really studied a lot about what it takes to have a successful business that caters to the management side of the business. So, Nat Kunis, without any further ado, let's welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, um, Nat, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and give us a quick background on what you're going to talk about today. Yeah, so uh, my name is Nat Kunis. Uh, I'm one of the uh, senior vice presidents here at Appfolio. Uh, I've been at Appfolio a little over 10 years now, and uh, primarily working with property managers and investment managers over the last decade, uh, identifying problems that they were seeing in the industry, problems within their businesses, and how technology solutions can be deployed to uh, to help solve those problems. And so, you know, one of the side benefits of of that job is essentially I've talked to uh, over probably five thousand uh, property management firms in the United States uh, over that last decade, and and learned about you know, all the little nuances and in and outs of, of the business. And then also some of the key uh, trends that you, you tend to see across businesses, because um, while some problem uh, areas are, are very local and tied to a specific business, others are universal. And every property management firm and investment management firms will be facing the same kind of challenges over the next decades. And so uh, having those conversations and then layering in um, all the different data elements that we have and market trend elements that we have uh, rolled up across our 14,000 plus firms uh, in the United States uh, that are on our platform. Uh, we can uh, share a lot of those different um, data elements back with our clients um, and shows like this uh, as well uh, to help people kind of look out for what's coming next and try to stay ahead of the curve. It's, it's so timely. And, you know, I was at your big Appfolio conference, which you guys do uh, once a year, a fabulous conference in Santa Barbara. If you guys know anything about Santa Barbara, it is the place to be. It's a fa fabulous co uh, conference. And Nat gave a keynote at the conference to, uh, gosh, I'm going to guess probably over uh, seven, 800 people. And one of the things that he touched on, which I thought was so uh, amazingly timely, is this whole rent control 
trend that I think is happening in some pockets in the nation, but I think is something that's going to continue to happen across the nation. We've seen incredible rent growth and a lot of limited supply. So one of the things I really wanted to do is get Nat onto the show and talk a little bit about the data that he presented at that conference, because it is very good for all of you investors out there to know what is happening with rent control uh, in, in, in this United States of America right now. And I will add one thing to it too, is that rent control is a, is a big piece, but uh, affordable housing is just a larger piece of the puzzle that we have to be sensitive on going forward ever since uh, the money got, came back into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac back about 60 days ago. One of the biggest things that they have is 37.5% of, of their, their business has to be in affordable housing, affordable lending. And so this is so JC is absolutely right. This is a timely discussion about, you know, what's, what's going on in the marketplace, especially with rent control. Uh, you know, there's areas of California that is going through the state piece and there's areas of Oregon, New York, New York city. Uh, there is a lot of vibrations of what that kind of an impact is going to be across the market. And are those investors, instead of investing in California or New York, are they coming into other parts of the United States and what kind of impact is that going to have for values going up or more competition or rents? And so this, this is a good opportunity to kind of get some of these things and ideas out there right now. So Nat, so JC, take it away, ahead. man. Tell us about your data. Tell us about what the data tells you about what's happening out there. Yeah, I think you guys hit it right on the head. You know, housing affordability is, is the driver. And, you know, I've always said governments don't really tend to do anything until it hits a crisis mode. And I think, you know, many uh, federal and state governments are, are feeling like we've hit that tipping point. And so um, an interesting uh, chart, which I'll share with you right now, is around rent control uh, status by state. Now, rent control is obviously only one method that, um, that governments have at regulating housing affordability. There's many other types of programs out there, whether it's voucher base, Section 8, uh, low-income housing tax credits. I mean, there's a ton of different programs that are out there. HUD has some programs as well. Um, but rent control seems to be the one that uh, gets probably won the most media attention, but then also uh, has some of the most uh, uh, widespread effects that you tend to see. Um, and so without necessarily taking a position on rent control one way or the other on, in it, on its effectiveness, um, this chart at least shows you uh, where rent control is embedded in the in the fabric of the state, uh, you can see recently uh, California and Oregon both passed statewide rent control bills um, that were signed by the governors and placed into effect. Um, you know, the interesting thing is if you look at the if you were to look at this chart, you know, a few years back, uh, it, it would be very little rent control, right? And rent control would have been in these small kind of little pockets, maybe state by uh, city by city, I should say. Um, and now you're kind of see these, this map kind of change drastically over time. Uh, there's quite a few states in there that uh, have, have different large cities that have rent control in place. There's also a bunch that either have a state law that says absolutely no rent control, but, uh, or some that have what we call um, Dillon State pro uh, uh, provisions. And what that means is um, a city can't pass their own rent control regulation without the state kind of giving their blessing to that. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit of a state oversight over uh, city governments in those types of states. And so that's kind of what the Dillon rule segments are. There's a handful of those as well, although some of them are, are decently sized states. Um, but, you know, the reality is uh, rent control, it's going to be here for a while and it's going to grow for a while. And so for 
property management firms and investment managers, the key is uh, being able to thrive in that environment, right? Like anytime market conditions change, you need to adapt your own business and, and evolve and change to, to support that. And what rent control brings is obviously a lot of compliance burdens, right? Managing who's, uh, you know, is the unit eligible? When was the last rent increase? Are we under the, you know, if it's a cap type system, are we under 7% plus CPI? All those different kind of nuances that you have to track and, and regulate against. Um, but if you can do that effectively and ideally, you know, one thing I would say is find technology solutions, right? That can help you do that effectively. Um, if you can employ that in your business, you'll be ahead of the curve and, uh, and rent control while, uh, while it'll have an effect on the industry and the business, it won't be that outsized effect that many people might think that it, that it will be. Where are some of the areas that you've seen uh, sort of the, the perennial leaders in sort of advancing the, the, the rent control laws and whatnot? I mean, I think there's some obvious places, but have you seen any places across the nation where you may be surprised at the amount of rent control that's coming online? Yeah. I mean, uh, I was a little surprised that California went all the way through with it. I think what, you know, that, that was, you know, obviously, um, it had been discussed for a while and there had been cities within California that have had for a while, San Francisco, most notably, right. That has had rent control for a number of years. Um, I think, uh, what you see and what the fear is in the industry right now is even though a lot of these rent control laws uh, that have gone into effect like Oregon's and California's have pretty high rent increase caps, right? Uh, typically, they're actually higher than, um, than historical rent increase growth, right? So you might say on paper, well, it's not going to really affect much, right? If you have a cap of 10%, let's say, and rent's never risen more than 6% a year in, in that geography, no harm. But you could also make the counter argument, which I think uh, many people have seen, which is, you know, the caps, for instance, in, in the San Francisco city uh, rent control that was, you know, 30 years old or whatever, have consistently lowered over the years. And I think that's the biggest fear is if it goes from 10 to 9 to 8 to 7, pretty soon you're, you are eating into that ability to let the market kind of set and dictate. So what I, yeah. So what I have seen is in California, as an example, is that they can increase and say up, up to 5% a year. And there's a lot of good tenants out there that are happy about paying rent uh, at X. Uh, and the landlords are happy about that. But they feel that if they don't raise it by 5% for next year, that they're going to, and this tenant, say, goes away uh, or the market changes, that, they'll, that they can't play catch up to whatever the new market rent is going to be in the future. So it's forcing almost for tenants every year to expect possibly a 3 to 5% increase their rents. Any comment about that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely changes the dynamics, right? So um, a couple things tend to happen when rent control laws are passed. First, you see uh, folks that do an analysis of the portfolio and they might say, hey, you know, maybe I should convert these apartments to condos or something like that, right? Which A, takes supply off the market, um, but it might be more economical for that, that property developer. Um, B, you see behavior changes like the one you just described, right? Which is, you know, okay, well, if the cap is 5% a year, I better do my 5% or I'm going to miss out on subsequent years. Some of the rent control laws have gone into effect have tried to create that or try to disincentivize that, meaning they'll have an opportunity where they'll say, hey, at time of vacancy, you can reset. So they're trying to essentially like put some sort of relief valve in there. 
but it's not foolproof. And what you do see is like, hey, if these people are kind of sheltering in place in that unit over 20 year horizon, you got to you know, be raising at the max rate each year to be able to catch, uh, catch up with the market conditions. So, so yeah, it does actually change the behaviors in the cities and it can, um, it can affect supply as well as people t- might pull supply off the market. So there's, there's that, that you have to look out for. Well, I think speaking of supply, Natty, you know, I think that, you know, the other big piece of this whole equation, right. And I think the bigger piece is let's talk about, you know, what people are doing to, to bring supply on board, you know, specifically speaking about, for example, like let's take a market like Dallas Fort Worth. If you look at the, in fact, the stats will tell you that if you look over the last um, period since 2010, since the recovery, DFW has had, I think the number one amount of supply uh, in the nation uh, for multifamily coming online. And so if you look at what that's done to rental growth, I think that we're starting to see the tapering off of rental growth in a big metro like DFW, which is the fourth largest metro in the nation. And so having a good amount of supply, I think, takes care of a lot of the concerns that you would typically have with rent taking off, because if you've got supply, it sort of keeps everything in check. And on the other hand, if we sort of look in a metro like San Francisco, which is very extremely supply constrained for a number of reasons, we sort of see that continue to be an issue and we see the rent growth pop up because of that. So why don't you talk a little bit about the construction trends that we're seeing across the nation, which I think are a a bigger piece of of the the issue at hand here, right? Absolutely. So uh, construction trends, uh, there's a chart here I can show you around building permits and housing starts, but but uh, construction trends uh, have uh, actually reached a 12-year high this last August. So construction's just been on a tear. Uh, you mentioned Dallas-Fort Worth. That's a great example. Um, you know, strong supply getting added onto the market. Uh, as a whole, if you think of con- the construction industry as a funnel, uh, it all starts with building permits, right? Um, and building permits were up 7.7% um, this, uh, in, in August as well. Um, and then that kind of translates then next into housing starts actually building those those properties. Those are up 6.6% um, year over year. And then you know obviously that gets to housing completions, which as we met, as as you mentioned, Dallas Fort Worth is a, a strong market. There's a number of other markets as a whole. Multifamily uh, is expecting a 32% increase year over year um, in, in new construction. So um, really strong growth. Uh, and and a lot of those. Uh, that new construction tends to be in some of these primary markets. So Dallas, some of the bigger cities, um, some cities are supply constrained. San Francisco is a great example of that. Um, but what's most interesting is you're seeing a lot of new development in secondary and tertiary markets, right? So think of the, um, the boulders of the world, the Nashville's, uh, even like the Boise, Idaho's, right? Um, really strong growth in some of these secondary and tertiary markets. Uh, and uh, that's you know primarily driven by a decent amount of job creation in some of those cities and people leaving um, some of the bigger cities. You see a, an outflow from cities like Chicago into some of these secondary and, and tertiary markets. So um, it's definitely an interesting aspect that's driving a lot of trends. And you know as you mentioned, JC, you know supply and rental um, prices are directly correlated. The more supply that's on the market. Um, the the more pressure there will be on that rent growth percent. It's just not going to grow as high if there's more op- opportunities um, on the market. Let's talk so, about uh, yeah. migration. So uh, a lot of people leaving Dallas to go to Santa Barbara, or is there a lot of people leaving California to go to Texas? <laughs> Definitely, I think uh, the other way around. Yeah, the, uh, the <laughs> Santa Barbara to Texas. Um, 
you know, we actually are seeing a decent amount. Southern California, Arizona is a, a strong migration patterns. Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, there's definitely a, um, a chart here I can show you kind of just on some of the state by state migrations and inflows and outflows. But, you know, uh, definitely California's on the out, you know, net outflow perspective. Um, Pacific Northwest is getting a lot of people moving in. Texas has some strong growth. Um, even the Southeast, um, decent amount of, of growth, whereas the Northeast tends to have people leaving. So it's kind of what you're anecdotally would expect, but those trends are continuing through, um, through this year as well. And so that creates a lot more demand in some of those markets. And then again, if supply isn't keeping up, you know, I mentioned construction hitting that 12 year high. That's great, but it's still not enough to keep up with demand. You know, uh, we, we have to be almost doubling some of the construction in a lot of key markets that we see today just to keep up with the demand that's out there. So it, it's great to have that strong robustness, but we need, we need, um, we need even more. Um, and the migration, you know, in some cities puts that additional pressure on demand. That, I think a lot of people are trying to come to Texas or go to Florida, like President Trump just became a uh, Florida resident to stay on that state income tax. So we're seeing a lot of people come for not just, uh, you know, uh, reasons for families and opportunities, but, you know, for economic reasons too, to save, you know, 10, 13% of state income taxes. I mean, it does used to be that if you were renting uh, a U-Haul from, Texas to to Los Angeles, it was half the price that it, that it would cost if you went from Los Angeles to Dallas. There was just so many people that were moving, coming from California. I, I, I've started to see that slow down a little bit, uh, but yeah, there's other places that are a little bit warmer, better tax uh, opportunities. So I do see a, a lot of uh, opportunities in, in still in the Southeast and still in areas of like Phoenix and Tucson and, and San Antonio, uh, all the way up to Austin and Dallas. So we're opportunities with major highways and major international airports, a lot of biotech still going in, technology stuff still going in, in areas of like North Carolina and things like that. So, you know, I still see very positive trends in multifamily in the, the smile of the Southwest area too. How about, how about for you guys? I mean, uh, uh, you guys accumulate all this data. Uh, tell me a little bit about again. How do you how do you know all this information? Tell us a little bit of what's kind of like behind the scenes of the management software that you guys do. Yeah. So uh, obviously, as I mentioned, we have a pretty broad reach of of clients. Um, uh, over 14,000 property management firms in all 50 states. Wow. And so what we're able to see is kind of insights on a city by city, geography, metro area, even state level data that allow us to see different trends. What's you know the number of uh, rental applications, for instance, going in a market, right? You can start to see demand trends that way, inquiries. Um, you can also see uh, rental prices, rent growth, uh, vacancy rates, occupancy rates. So, so you can see that kind of across these markets. Um, uh, you know, through through that um, through that process, and, and it serves up great insights that you can then compare against other uh, national leading uh, data providers, and then uh, fill in uh, to get a complete picture of how the markets actually. Yeah, it's it's amazing the amount of data that you guys collect and are able to share that information with people that are also w with you uh, within groups, just like JC, who uses your. Um, what else can we learn in that data too? What else do you like? 
Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, aside from looking out, you know, a few years in, uh, ahead, there's also what we're seeing is diversification um, within uh, our customer base around the types of properties that they invest in. So obviously, multifamily is strong. It's only getting stronger. It's a great space to be in. But we also see folks uh, invest, uh, investing as well in uh, commercial properties. You know, industrial is a great uh, segment of growth right now where, um, you can you know you can see the rise of e-commerce it, it might hurt some retail uh, locations but um, all those boxes all that shipping all that kind of stuff needs to be uh, sorted you know in facilities ideally as close to destination as possible last mile so you see a strong growth in these types of industrial type um, projects as well and so we see our, our clients kind of invest both in commercial multifamily, even some do it, uh, community associations, homeowners associations, that sort of thing. So really kind of crossing the gamut um, to have that diversification within the portfolio. And if you guys, uh, you talk a little bit about the best markets that people should be investing in, or is there anything that hits your radar that you think would be important to kind of share about markets that you think are up and coming markets? Yeah, I mean, I, we're seeing a lot of investment, you know, so as I mentioned, we have an investment management suite too. So we're tracking on the financial side and also on the operation side, right? So we can see that across our customer base. Uh, on the investment management side and from an investment perspective, uh, we're seeing a lot of money flowing into those secondary markets, as I mentioned. So uh, you're seeing growth in Austin, you're seeing growth in Nashville, you're seeing, you know, growth in, in some of those types of cities, just trying to uh, keep up with the strong demand and influx of both folks moving there. There's a lot of job creation in some of those markets and tech jobs that, that, you know, are coming in. Um, and, you know, the supply side, the construction side, even if, you know, everybody said, Hey, we want to build a bunch in Austin tomorrow. It's a couple of years, right. To get all those properties online, get them approved, built, construction started, completed. It's not like you can flip a switch and then all of a sudden have 50,000 new units come online in the market. So uh, it takes time. And so you'll have to kind of work through those kinks in those markets. And in the meantime, there'll be strong demand, strong rent growth, all that kind of good stuff. Well, you know, Nat, I think one of the things that I wanted to spend a little bit of time is let you talk about your, your technology offerings. You know, we, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that folio, have been uh, a fan for a number of years. And you guys have an amazing pro- property management software, but you've also recently introduced a new piece of the business, which I think is great for uh, big syndication companies that are looking for a, a real great um, software solution to manage the investor side of the business. Why don't you talk a little bit about your technology and what you're bringing to the market? Yeah, so, you know, uh, piggybacking on our decade plus of, of um, building out great software solutions into uh, the property management, the operation side of the house, uh, we heard strong demand from many of our clients, uh, just, just like yourself, that do investment management, right? Doing um, either syndications or funds or different types of structures. And, uh, and, and the overwhelming majority, you know, came to us and said, gosh, there's just nothing great out there that can help me manage my investors, right? Manage who's contributed what, uh, who's uh, you know what's their ownership percentages, what's the uh, distribution and waterfall calculations look like. Giving them a great portal and a great experience with their business that they can log into and say, you know, twenty four seven on a mobile phone, be able to like log in and see their tax documents, see an update on communication from their um, general partner. So uh, we heard that pretty overwhelmingly, and so that's where we. I decided to build out our newest product around investment management and it does all those things and more. Uh, and 
uh, we've been uh, live with that for uh, almost a year now, and, and it's been uh, it's been really great. We've been having a lot of our yeah. That that is an important piece yeah. of integrating both the property managed software and investment management system. So that that kind of blows my mind that you guys have brought that together. That usually it takes two different companies to do that, but bringing them together that is definitely a, a very value added for somebody that is doing things like what JC's doing doing some small syndication or large syndications or even investment managers that are doing that you can bring everything together and go to one portal, one, one, uh, open up one tab that opens up everything for you. So that, that's great that you guys were able to do that. I didn't realize that. That's great. Yeah. And that, that was a key, key element there, right? Is, is we talked to some of these firms that were what we call kind of vertically integrated, They're doing both. Right. And being able to do it all in one system, not have to use different system, not have to have different disjointed experiences for their investors, right, was, uh, was key. And so that's, uh, that's what we were able to deliver to the market. The other thing it allows us to deliver is great property level insights back to the general partner that can then be shared out with limited partners um, on an as-needed basis. A data that uh, before would have been really hard or manually intensive to gather for them. Uh, and so now, now that can be easily kind of shared back with those partners in, in a couple clicks. And so that's, that's what's really awesome about it as well. It's absolutely such a big deal because the challenge when you have two different disparate technologies, two different companies, is that you really can't uh, easily port the property management data that tells you how the properties are doing into the investor portal from a different company without some really manually intensive efforts. And it still doesn't look good, but with the solution that you guys have, it's literally as easy as pushing a button inside the software. And because everything is under one company, it shares right out transparently out to the investors, which is something that we are very, very keen on. So um, this is a big deal. This is definitely some sort of a game changer, I think, for how guys uh, like us are going to market. And, and we're super excited about, about your product and looking forward to seeing it grow and grow. That's great. Dan, is there anything else that you'd want to share with us? You know, just talking not, not just so much about Appfolio, but just the market itself if, if investors are kind of new into the multifamily, uh, I mean, you guys have this, I don't think I call it a black box, but I almost have a data box that has so much information <laughs> in it. And you guys are pulling stuff out of that. What do some of these new investors need to know? Is there anything that else besides migration? We understand that construction. We understand that and you know, rent control. That's kind of in only different geographic areas. That's not throughout the United States but in just you know, large populated areas like New York City and California, Oregon. But what else should they also need to know? Well, I mean, I think I, I always say trying to, to look ahead and, and predict and, and place some bets on where you think things are going. Mm -hmm. You know, if, um, you, you know, a great example of that, I talked to a client who had no affordable housing component of their business just three years ago. They said, I think affordable housing is going to be bigger in our area and they diversified their business grew their business by about 30% just by adding on pure affordable units became experts in how to manage affordable housing yep. um, and the different programs and so it's a great way to kind of grow their business by you know they have that old saying it's like skate to where the puck is going not where it is I think that's right. that's, that's key you know a key element of, of anybody in this business so taking these trends taking a, a deeper dive towards your neck of the woods, right? So these are macro trends. These are some of these are nationwide trends. You know, if you're like, I want to invest in Nashville, well, become an expert on Nashville, right? What are the migration trends for Nashville? What's the construction trends for Nashville? You know, like kind of really diving in at that perspective. And that's what's going to help you decide where 
great place to invest might be. That's great. Now, uh, finishing off here, uh, Ned, if, if someone wanted to get more information about what Appfolio does, what's the best way to get in contact with your group? Yeah, uh, the best way would be to visit our, our website. It's www.appfolioinvestmentmanagement.com. Um, and you can go right there and, and see our investment management suite of products. Uh, for property management products, it's just appfolio.com. Uh, and both of those will, will be up to date. You'll be able to contact us and learn more information. That's great. Uh, JC, if somebody wanted to get more information about what you do, and again, remind us, what do you do? What do we can, do? That can well, help investors. Gosh, out? you know, Polly, we've, we've been helping investors for the last 13 years make smart multifamily decisions, smart multifamily investments. And we are just a resource of information. The reason that you and I started this podcast to begin with, Polly, is because we love to, to provide in, information education. And uh, if anybody wants to set up a free 50-minute consultation with me at my company, they can do so by going to multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Go to the contact us section and request a free 50-minute consultation. I'd be happy to sit down with you and see how we might be able to help you out. Polly, yeah. what do you yeah, got cooking J on your side? Yeah, JC's a great resource because he's gone through a couple cycles and kind of seen what's going on. He just doesn't buy, he doesn't just want one or two properties and, and declared himself an expert. He's bought uh, lots of properties and he's bought thousands of units and sold units. And so he's done cycles and kind of understands a little bit about the business. So he's a good person for you to, to, to know or get to know. Again, old capital, uh, we do billions of dollars in multifamily apartment lending throughout the United States. That's billions um, with a B, folks. That, that's kind of a big deal. That's billions with a B. Yeah, yes. we're one of the largest we do throughout the United States. If you want to have your hand held on multifamily, if you're just starting to get into it, give us a call. Go to oldcapitallending.com. And don't forget to listen to oldcapitalpodcast.com. And uh, a lot of people with 50,000 downloads of that a month uh, on the Old Capital Podcast. And so come in and uh, listen to some of the things that we've had JC on a number of times. And uh, uh, it's more of an educational learning. Make sure you understand what, where the rubber meets the road of what's going on in the market right now. So some great information today. Now, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. We certainly do appreciate it. Uh, can't wait to visit you out in Santa Barbara. And if you ever feel like you want to come to the hot weather in Texas, Come on, you have an open invitation to come see us. We appreciate that. JC, always a pleasure. We appreciate that. I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day.